Act Four of The Rivals by Richard Brinsley Sheridan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four, Scene One, Acres Lodgings, Acres and David. Then by the mass, sir, I would do no such thing. Ne'er a Sir Lucius or Trigger in the kingdom should make me fight when I wasn't so minded. Unce, what will the old lady say when she hears of it? Ah, David, if you had heard Sir Lucius, odd oh, sparks and flames, he would have roused your valour. Not he, indeed. I hate such bloodthirsty cormorants. Look ye, master, if you wanted about at boxing, quarter-staff, or short-staff, I should never be the man to bid you cry off. But for your cursed sharps and snaps, I never knew any good come of em. But my honour, David, my honour! I must be very careful of my honour. Ay, by the mass. And I would be very careful of it. And I think, in return, my honour couldn't do less than to be very careful of me. Odds blades, David, no gentleman will ever risk the loss of his honour. I say, then, it would be but civil in honour never to risk the loss of a gentleman. Look ye, master, this honour seems to me to be a marvellous false friend. I, truly, a very courtier-like servant. Put the case. I was a gentleman, which, thank God, no one can say of me. Well, my honour makes me quarrel with another gentleman of my acquaintance. So, we fight. Pleasant enough, that. Bo! I kill him. The more's my luck. Now, pray who gets the profit of it? Why... My honour. But put the case that he kills me. By the mass I go to the worms, and my honour whips over to my enemy. No, David. In that case, odds, crowns, and laurels, your honour follows you to the grave. Now, that's just the place where I could make a shift to do without it. Sounds, David, you are a coward. It doesn't become my valour to listen to you. What? Shall I disgrace my ancestors? Think of that, David. Think what it would be to disgrace my ancestors. Under favour, the surest way of not disgracing them is to keep as long as you can out of their company. Look ye now, master, to go to them in such haste, with an ounce of lead in your brains, I should think might as well be let alone. Our ancestors are very good kind of folks, but they're the last people I should choose to have a visiting acquaintance with. But, David, now, you don't think there is such very, very, very great danger, hey? Odds life, people often fight without any mischief done. By the mass, I think tis ten to one against you. Oons, here to meet some lion-headed fellow, I warrant, with his damned double-barreled swords and cut-and-thrust pistols. Lord bless us, it makes me tremble to think of it. Those be such desperate, bloody-minded weapons. Well, I never could abide em. From a child, I never could fancy em. I suppose there ain't been so merciless a beast in the world as your loaded pistol. Sounds! I won't be afraid. Oh, it's fire and fury. You shan't make me afraid. Here is the challenge, and I have sent for my dear friend Jack Absolute to carry it for me. Aye, in the name of mischief, let him be the messenger. For my part, I wouldn't let a hand to it for the best horse in your stable. By the mass, it don't look like another letter. It is, as I may say, a designing and malicious-looking letter, and I warrant smells of gunpowder like a soldier's pouch. Oonts, I wouldn't swear it mayn't go off. Out, you poltroon! You hadn't the valour of a grasshopper. 
Well, I say no more. T'will be sad news to be sure at Clod Hall. But I had done. How Phyllis will howl when she hears of it. I, poor bitch, she little thinks what shooting her master's going after. I warrant old Crop, who has carried your honor, field and road these ten years, will curse the hour he was born. It won't do, David. I am determined to fight. So get along, you coward, while I'm in the mind. Enter servant. Captain Absolute, sir. Oh, show him up. Exit servant. Well, heaven send we will all be alive this time tomorrow. What's that? Don't provoke me, David. Goodbye, master. Get along, you cowardly, dastardly, croaking raven. Exit David. Enter Captain Absolute. What's the matter, Bob? A vile sheep-hearted blockhead. If I hadn't the valour of St. George and the dragon to boot... But what did you want with me, Bob? Oh, there. Gives him the challenge. Aside. To Ensign Beverley. So what's going on now? Well, what's this? A challenge. Indeed. Why, you won't fight him, will you, Bob? Egad, but I will, Jack. Sir Lucius has wrought me to it. He has left me full of rage, and I'll fight this evening, that so much good passion mayn't be wasted. But what have I to do with this? Why, as I think you know something of this fellow, I want you to find him out for me, and give him this mortal defiance. Well, give it to me, and trust me he gets it. Thank you, my dear friend, my dear Jack, but it is giving you a great deal of trouble. Not in the least. I beg you won't mention it. No trouble in the world, I assure you. You are very kind. What it is to have a friend. You couldn't be my second, could you, Jack? Why, no, Bob, not in this affair. It would not be quite so proper. Well, then, I must get my friend Sir Lucius. I shall have your good wishes, however, Jack. Whenever he meets you, believe me. Re-enter servant. Sir Anthony Absolute is below, inquiring for the captain. I'll come instantly. Exit servant. Well, my little hero, success attend you. Stay, stay, Jack. If Beverly should ask you what kind of man your friend Acres is, do tell him I am a devil of a fellow, will you, Jack? To be sure I shall. I'll say you are a determined dog, hey, Bob? Ah, do, do, and if that frightens him, egad, perhaps he mayn't come. So tell him I generally kill a man a week, will you, Jack? I will, I will. I'll say you are called in the country fighting Bob. Right, right. Tis all to prevent mischief, for I don't want to take his life if I clear my honour. No, that's very kind of you. Why, you don't wish me to kill him, do you, Jack? No, upon my soul, I do not. But a devil of a fellow, hey? True, true. But stay, stay. Jack, you may add that you never saw me in such a rage before, a most devouring rage. I will, I will. Remember, Jack, a determined dog. Aye, aye, fighting Bob. Excellent severally. Scene two. Mrs. Malaprop's lodgings. Mrs. Malaprop and Lydia. Why, thou perverse one, tell me what you can object to him. Isn't he a handsome man? Tell me that. A genteel man, a pretty figure of a man. She little thinks who she is praising. So is Beverly, ma'am. No comparisons, miss, if you please. Comparisons don't become a young woman. 
"'No, Captain Absolute is indeed a fine gentleman.' "'Aye, the Captain Absolute you have seen.' "'Then he's so well-bred, so full of alacrity and adulation, and has so much to say for himself in such good language, too. His physiognomy is so grammatical. Then his presence is so noble. I protest when I saw him. I thought of what Hamlet says in the play.' Hesperian curls, the front of Job himself, an eye like March to threaten at command, a station like Harry Mercury, new... something about kissing on a hill. However, the similitude struck me directly. How enraged she'll be presently when she discovers her mistake. Enter servant. Sir Anthony and Captain Absolute are below, ma'am. Show them up here. Exit servant. Now, Lydia, I insist on your behaving as becomes a young woman. Show your good breeding at least, though you have forgot your duty. Madam, I have told you my resolution. I shall not only give him no encouragement, but I won't even speak to or look at him. Flings herself into a chair, with her face from the door. Enter Sir Anthony Absolute and Captain Absolute. Here we are, Mrs. Ballaprop, come to mitigate the frowns of unrelenting beauty. And difficult enough I had to bring this fellow. <laughs> I don't know what's the matter, but if I hadn't held him by force, he'd have given me the slip. You have infinite trouble, Sir Anthony, in the affair. I am ashamed for the cause. Lydia, Lydia, rise, I beseech you, pay your respects. I hope, madam, that Miss Languish has reflected on the worth of this gentleman, and the regard due to her aunt's choice and my alliance. Now, Jack, speak to her. What the devil shall I do? You see, sir, she won't even look at me whilst you are here. I knew she wouldn't. I told you so. Let me entreat you, sir, to leave us together. I wonder I haven't heard my aunt exclaim yet. Sure she can't have looked at him. Perhaps the regimentals are alike, and she is something blind. I am sorry to say, Sir Anthony, that my affluence over my niece is very small. Turn round, Lydia, I blush for you. May I not flatter myself that Miss Languish will assign what cause of dislike she can have to my son? Why don't you begin, Jack? Speak, your puppy, speak. It is impossible, Sir Anthony, she can have any. She will not say she has. Answer, hussy. Why don't you answer? Then, madam, I trust that a childish and hasty predilection will be no bar to Jack's happiness. Zounds, Sarah, why don't you speak? I think my lover seems as little inclined to conversation as myself. How strangely blind my aunt must be. <coughs> madam, <coughs> faith, sir, I am so confounded, and so, so— confused i told you i should be so sir i knew it the the tremor of my passion entirely takes away my presence of mind but it don't take away your voice fool does it go up and speak to her directly captain absolute makes signs to mrs malaprop to leave them together sir anthony shall we leave them together ah you stubborn little vixen not yet ma'am not yet what the devil are you at? Unlock your jaws, Sarah, or— Now heaven send she may be too sullen to look round. I must disguise my voice. 
will not miss languish lend an ear to the mild accents of true love will not what the devil ails the fellow why don't you speak out not stand croaking like a frog in a quinsy the, the excess of my awe and my 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 modesty quite choke me ah your modesty again i'll tell you what jack if you don't speak out directly and glibly too i shall be in such a rage mrs malaprop i wish the lady would favour us with something more than a side front mrs malaprop seems to chide lydia so all will out i see goes up to lydia speaks softly be not surprised my lydia suppress all surprise at present aside heavens tis beverley's voice sure he can't have imposed on sir anthony too looks round by degrees then starts up is this possible my beverley how can this be my beverley oh tis all over beverley the devil beverley what could the girl mean this is my son jack absolute for shame hussy for shame your head runs so on that fellow that you have him always in your eyes beg captain absolute's pardon directly i see no captain absolute but my loved beverley zounds the girl's mad her brain's turned by reading oh my conscience i believe so what do you mean by beverley hussy you saw captain absolute before to-day there he is your husband that shall be with all my soul ma'am when i refuse my beverley no oh, she's as mad as bedlam or has this fellow been playing us a rogue's trick come here sarah who the devil are you faith sir i am not quite clear myself but i'll endeavour to recollect are you my son or not answer for your mother you dog if you won't for me i sir who are you oh mercy i begin to suspect you powers of impudence befriend me sir anthony most assuredly i am your wife's son and that i sincerely believe myself to be yours also i hope my duty has always shown mrs malaprop i am your most respectful admirer and shall be proud to add affectionate nephew i need not tell my lydia that she sees her faithful beverley who knowing the singular generosity of her temper assumed that name and station which has proved a test of the most disinterested love which he now hopes to enjoy in a more elevated character so there will be no elopement after all upon my soul jack thou art a very impudent fellow to do you justice i think i never saw a piece of more consummate assurance Oh, you flatter me sir you compliment tis my modesty you know sir my modesty that has stood in my way <laughs> well i'm glad you're not the dull insensible varlet you pretended to be however i'm glad you made a fool of your father you dog i am so this was your penitence your duty and obedience i thought it was damned sudden you'd never heard their names before not you <laughs> what the languishes of worcestershire <laughs> if you could please me in the affair it was all you desired are oh, you dissembling villain what 
she squints don't she a little red-haired girl why you hypocritical young rascal i wonder you ain't ashamed to hold up your head tis with difficulty sir i am confused very much confused as you must perceive oh lad sir anthony a new light breaks in upon me hey how what captain did you write the letters then what am i to thank you for the elegant compilation of an old weather-beaten she-dragon hey oh mercy was it you that reflected on my parts of speech dear sir my modesty will be overpowered at last if you don't assist me i shall certainly not be able to stand it come come mrs malaprop we must forget and forgive odd's life matters have taken so clever a turn all of a sudden that i could find in my heart to be so good-humoured and so gallant eh mrs malaprop well sir anthony since you desire it we will not anticipate the past so mind young people our retrospection will be all to the future come we must leave them together mrs malaprop they long to fly into each other's arms i warrant jack isn't the cheek as i said hey and the eye you rogue and the lip hey come mrs malaprop we'll not disturb their tenderness theirs is the time of life for happiness youth's the season made for joy <laughs> odds life i'm in such spirits i don't know what i could not do permit me ma'am gives his hand to mrs malaprop told all gad i should like to have a little fooling myself told all all youth's the season made for joy told all exit lydia sits sullenly in her chair so much thought bodes me no good so grave lydia sir so egad i thought as much that damned monosyllable has froze me what lydia now that we are happy in our friends consent as in our mutual vows friends consent indeed come come we must lay aside some of our romance a little wealth and comfort may be endured after all and for your fortune the lawyers shall make such settlements as lawyers i hate lawyers nay then we will not wait for their lingering forms but instantly procure the license and the license i hate license oh my love be not so unkind thus let me entreat kneeling oh, pshaw what signifies kneeling when you know i must have you rising nay madam there shall be no constraint upon your inclinations i promise you if i have lost your heart i resign the rest god i may try what a little spirit will do rising then sir let me tell you the interest you had there was acquired by a mean unmanly imposition and deserves the punishment of fraud what you've been treating me like a child humouring my romance and laughing i suppose at your success you wrong me lydia you wrong me only here so while i fondly imagined we were deceiving my relations and flattered myself that i should outwit and incense them all behold my hopes are to be crushed at once by my aunt's consent and approbation and i am myself the only dupe at last walking about in a heat but here sir 
Here is the picture, Beverly's picture, taking a miniature from her bosom, which I have worn night and day in spite of threats and entreaties. There, sir, flings it to him, and be assured I throw the original from my heart as easily. Nay, nay, ma'am, we will not differ as to that. Here, taking out a picture, here is Miss Lydia Languish. What a difference! Ay, there is the heavenly assenting smile that first gave soul and spirit to my hopes. Those are the lips which sealed a vow as yet scarce drying Cupid's calendar, and there the half-resentful blush that would have checked the ardour of my thanks. Well, all that's past, all over indeed. There, madam, in beauty, that copy is not equal to you, but in my mind its merit over the original in being still the same is such that I cannot find in my heart to part with it puts it up again tis your own doing sir i i i suppose you are perfectly satisfied oh most certainly sure now this is much better than being in love <laughs> there's some spirit in this what signifies breaking some scores of solemn promises all that's of no consequence you know to be sure, people will say that Miss don't know her own mind, but never mind that. Or perhaps they may be ill-natured enough to hint that the gentleman grew tired of the lady and forsook her. But don't let that fret you. There is no bearing his insolence. <laughs> Re-enter Mrs. Malaprop and Sir Anthony Absolute. Come, we must interrupt your billing and cooing a while. This is worse than your treachery and deceit, you base ingrate. <laughs> what the devil's the matter now? Zounds, Mrs. Malaprop, this is the oddest billing and cooing I ever heard. But what's the deuce of the meaning of it? I'm quite astonished. Ask the lady, sir. Oh, mercy. I'm quite analysed for my part. Why, Lydia... What is the reason of this? Ask the gentleman, ma'am. Sound, I shall be in a frenzy. Why, Jack, you are not come out to be anyone else, are you? Aye, sir. There's no more trick, is there? You are not like Cerberus. Three gentlemen at once, are you? You'll not let me speak. I say the lady can account for this much, much better than I can. Ma'am, you once commanded me never to think of Beverley again. There is the man. I now obey you. For from this moment I renounce him for ever. Exit. Oh, mercy and miracles! What a turn here is! Why, sure, Captain, you haven't behaved disrespectfully to my niece. <laughs> now I see it. <laughs> now I see it. You've been too lively, Jack. Nay, sir, upon my word. Come, no lying, Jack. I'm sure to so. Oh, lad. Sir Anthony, oh, fie, Captain. Upon my soul, ma'am. Come, no excuses, Jack. Why, your father, your rogue, was so before you. The blood of the absolutes was always impatient. <laughs> Poor little Lydia. Why, you're frightened of your dog you have. By all that's good, sir. Zound, say no more. I tell you, Mrs. Malaprop shall make your peace. You must make his peace, Mrs. Malaprop. You must tell her tis Jack's way. Tell her it is all our ways. It runs in the blood of our family. Come away, Jack. <laughs> Mrs. Malaprop, a young villain. 
pushing him out. Oh, Sir Anthony, oh, fie, Captain. Excellent, severally. Scene three, the North Parade. Enter Sir Lucius O'Trigger. I wonder where this Captain Absolute hides himself upon my conscience. These officers are always in one's way in love affairs. I remember I might have married Lady Dorothy Carmen if it had not been for a little rouge of a major who ran away with her before she could get a sight of me. And I wonder to what it is the ladies can see in them to be so fond of them, unless it be a touch of the old serpent in them that makes the little creatures be caught like vipers with a bit of red cloth. Ha! Isn't this the captain coming? Faith it is. There is a probability of succeeding about that fellow that is mighty provoking. Who the devil is he talking to? Steps aside. Enter Captain Absolute. To what fine purpose I have been plotting, a noble reward for all my schemes upon my soul. A little gypsy. I did not think her romance could have made her so damned absurd either. Death, I never was in worse humour in my life. I could cut my own throat or any other person's with the greatest pleasure in the world. Oh, faith, I'm in the luck of it. I never could have found him in a sweeter temper for my purpose. To be sure, I'm just come in the nick. Now to enter into conversation with him and so quarrel genteely. Goes up to Captain Absolute. With regard to that matter, Captain, I must beg leave to differ in opinion with you. Upon my word, then, you must be a very subtle disputant, because, sir, I happened just then to be giving no opinion at all. That's no reason, for give me leave to tell you a man may think an untruth as well as speak one. Very true, sir, but if a man never utters his thoughts, I should think they might stand a chance of escaping controversy. Then, sir, you differ in opinion with me, which amounts to the same thing. Harky, Sir Lucius, if I had not before known you to be a gentleman, upon my soul I should not have discovered it at this interview. For what you can drive at, unless you mean to quarrel with me, I cannot conceive. I humbly thank you, sir, for the quickness of your apprehension. You have named the very thing I would be at. Very well, sir. I shall certainly not balk your inclinations, but I should be glad you would please to explain your motives. Pray, sir, be easy. The quarrel is a very pretty quarrel as it stands. We should only spoil it by trying to explain it. However, your memory is very short, or you could not have forgotten a front you passed on me within this week. So no more but name your time and place. Well, sir, since you are so bent on it, the sooner the better. Let it be this evening, here, by the spring gardens. We shall scarcely be interrupted. Faith, that same interruption in affairs of this nature shows very great ill-breeding. I don't know what's the reason, but in England, if a thing of this kind gets wind, people make such a pother that a gentleman can never fight in peace and quietness. However, if it's the same to you, Captain, I should take it as a particular kindness if you'd let us meet in King's Meads Fields as a little business will call me there about six o'clock, and I may dispatch both matters at once. "'Tis the same to me exactly. 
a little after six then we will discuss the matter more seriously if you please sir there will be very pretty small sword light though it won't do for a long shot so that matter's settled and my mind's at ease exit enter falkland well met i was going to look for you oh falkland all the demons of spite and disappointment have conspired against me i am so vexed that if i had not the prospect of a resource in being knocked o the head by and by i should scarce have spirits to tell you the cause what can you mean has lydia changed her mind i should have thought her duty and inclination would now have pointed to the same object ay just as the eyes do of a person who squints when her love-eye was fixed on me t'other her eye of duty was finely obliqued but when duty bid her point that the same way off t'other turned on a swivel and secured its retreat with a frown but what's the resource you oh to wind up the whole a good-natured irishman here has begged leave to have the pleasure of cutting my throat and i mean to indulge him that's all prithee be serious tis fact upon my soul sir lucius o'trigger you know him by sight for some affront which i am sure i never intended has obliged me to meet him this evening at six o'clock tis on that account i wished to see you you must go with me nay there must be some mistake sure sir lucius shall explain himself and i dare say matters may be accommodated uh, but this evening did you say i wish it had been any other time why there will be light enough there will as sir lucius says be very pretty small sword light though it will not do for a long shot confound his long shots but i am myself a good deal ruffled by a difference i have had with julia my vile tormenting temper has made me treat her so cruelly that i shall not be myself till we are reconciled by heavens falkland you don't deserve her enter servant gives falkland a letter and exit oh jack this is from julia i dread to open it i fear it may be to take a last leave perhaps to bid me return her letters and restore oh how i suffer for my folly here let me see it takes the letter and opens it ay a final sentence indeed tis all over with you faith nay jack don't keep me in suspense here then as i am convinced that my dear falkland's own reflections have already upbraided him for his last unkindness to me i will not add a word on the subject i wish to speak with you as soon as possible yours ever and truly julia there's stubbornness and resentment for you gives him the letter why man you don't seem one whit the happier at this oh oh yes i am but but confound your buts you never hear anything that would make another man bless himself but you immediately damn it with a but now jack as you are my friend own honestly don't you think there is something forward something indelicate in this haste to forgive women should never sue for reconciliation that should always come from us they should retain their coldness till wooed to kindness and their pardon like their love should not unsought be won i have not patience to listen to you thou art incorrigible so say no more on the subject 
I must go to settle a few matters. Let me see you before six, remember, at my lodgings. A poor industrious devil like me, who have toiled and drudged and plotted to gain my ends, and am at last disappointed by other people's folly, may in pity be allowed to swear and grumble a little, but a captious sceptic in love, a slave to fretfulness and whim, who has no difficulties but of his own creating, is a subject more fit for ridicule than compassion. Exit. I feel his reproaches, yet I would not change this too exquisite nicety for the gross content with which he tramples on the thorns of love. His engaging me in this duel has started an idea in my head, which I will instantly pursue. I'll use it as the touchstone of Julia's sincerity and disinterestedness. If her love prove pure and sterling ore, my name will rest on it with honour, and once I've stamped it there, I lay aside my doubts forever. But if the dross of selfishness, the alloy of pride, predominate, twill be best to leave her as a toy for some less cautious fool to sigh for. Exit. End of Act Four.